0: this is my bible i am what it says i am i can
1: have what
0: it says i can have today i'm ready to receive the incorruptible ever-living seed of the word of god come holy spirit have your way in this place come holy spirit have your way in my life i'll never
1: be the same again come on In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'll be reading all of Psalms 30. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, what will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks forever.
0: I want to share with you something that I pray is not just a message, but that it shapes who you become. And that's my challenge today, is to shape you into what God desires for you around this topic of faith I was raised in a home uh, very faith-filled. I spent years trying to understand faith. I remember I must have been 17 because it was dad and mom had just built a brand new church building, so that was probably 1984. And my habit was to go to that church building every day after school, and it sat about 750 people, and so it was rather large, probably triple the size of this. and So I would come and I would just march around, as I said last week. I would just, you know, passionate about it and pray and pray. And I remember praying this prayer. It's a comical prayer now, but it was a very passionate prayer then. The prayer was, God, I just want to live by faith. It's all I want to do. I want you to teach me, Mark Evans, to live by faith. Except I was doing it very Pentecostal, shouting and praying and... God, I just want to be a man of faith. I want want to make you proud, and without faith, I can't even please you, and I want you to be pleased with me, and I want to walk by faith. What I know now at 57 that I did not know at 25 is that any time you tell God I want to live by faith, here's how that gets interpreted. So you want everything around you to not work where all that can happen is to trust me. If you would have asked me that at 25, I'd have been like, God, I don't want to live by faith. I (laughs) I have no desire to please you that way. I I know faith pleases you, but come on, I'm a bad kid, God. You love me anyway. But I have learned that the prayer that I prayed then so passionately, God, I just want to live by faith. I did not know that that came in a journey. It's not downloaded in some moment. You learn it over time. And how you learn it is typically not fun because what I said, faith by its very definition is to trust when you can't see a thing. The King James is the way I learned it is that is it, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. The very essence of faith is to have hope for something you can't even see and that in itself is not fun. So what I was really playing is, God, I just, want, I just want to be filled and surrounded by things I can't understand and things I can't reason and things I can't see. I just want you to fill my life with stuff that doesn't even make sense. I just want you, God, to just put me in a place where my only way out is you. And God's like, oh, he's just not ready for this yet. He just, I'm just going to let him keep praying. You know, I'm just going to look how passionate he is. So what do you got planned for him? Well, he keeps wanting to trust me. What do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. I got a lot of ideas. But he does. You know, he keeps saying, I just want to trust you, God. Let's start easy. Let's ask him to give us his last $5 in that offering. Remember that story? I had a $5 bill. God said, I want your five. And I'm like, I want my. So I do know this about my Heavenly Father. He doesn't just kick us off into the Titanic to learn faith. He just walks slowly and gives us bite-sized moments to, are you ready to trust me a little more? Are you ready to trust me just a little more? If he, if he caused you to walk by faith right now to where everything around you hit rock bottom, it would be a weird faith walk. This is why I love what my mother says. She says, son, the worst time to get faith is in the middle of the problem." You need to have been getting it before the problem ever arose. But typical humanity is middle finger to God. I want to run my life. Then my life falls apart. Then I run to God and go, oh, what's going on? And he's like, oh, hey, I had not seen you in forever. I'm falling apart. Yeah, I know. I've been watching your whole life. You, you never even take time to say hello. Well, why did you let this happen? Well, because you weren't walking with me. You were on the other side of the street. Well, you're God. You could have stopped it. No, no, I'm on my side of the street. You're on yours. Well, you're God. Can't you come on my side of the street? Yeah, I did 2,000 years ago. His name was Jesus. But now I'm back over here and I'm calling you to my side. So we can't really be ticked at him. So faith has been part of my life, even from a 16-year-old prayer to now a 57-year-old man that's raised four daughters with Robin, It's been through a life crisis meltdown where I lost everything and ended up on food stamps and nearly lost my marriage, nearly lost my sanity, lost a lot of my integrity. I've been sitting with my bride in surgery rooms, hooked up to chemo drugs. I've had to pray kids out of hard places, bury people you don't want to bury. And now when you ask me what is faith, you better believe I have a lot deeper understanding of the beauty of faith in the 25 year old screaming teach me to live it it's, here's what's weird it's sweeter today because what I know of him is so much sweeter to me now than the God I knew at 20 he's the same God but I know him in a different way now because I've journeyed with him through those things here's the Bible text let's just jump in Come to me. This is Jesus. All ye who are weary. There it is. And burdened. That was me. And I'll give you rest. That's my faith line. I love it. The faith line. He's going to give me rest. I'm here, God. Teach me to live by faith. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your soul. Verse 30. This was my flip switch. I couldn't understand it. I would quote it, but I, I wasn't finding it. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light, and it brought this thought in me years ago that I've wrestled with for years. I'm kind of downloading what I've worked through to you today. But the question at hand in my life is Jesus' yoke is so easy, then why does faith seem so hard? It's supposed to be easy, it's what I'm taught. Come to Jesus and he'll take your burdens. I'm like, it was easier to live as a sinner. You don't have to pray over your food. You don't have to give anybody your money. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to do a devotion. You don't have to ask for wisdom. You just do whatever you want to do. That's easy. Then you come to God, you got to ask for wisdom, repent of your sins, pray over your spaghetti, take your hat off, don't wear makeup, speak in tongues only if there's an interpreter. Uh, You know, I mean, it's just like, oh, God, this is difficult. So either Jesus is not telling us the truth, that his burden is easy and light, or maybe we don't understand what's going on and we make it hard. So I'll go back and read the verse again, which is what I do when I get stumped. Anytime I'm stumped, I back up, reverse, and read again. And I just keep reading until it gabs me in, so I put it in pink this time. Same verse, come to me all you who are weary. We said amen on that one, burdened, amen, I'll give you rest, take it Jesus, come on. I don't like the pink words. Take my yoke and do what? I don't want to learn something. I I want God to have pity on me. I want God to just feel sorry for me and clap his hands and fix my life. I don't like the Jesus that says, Mark, listen, you're a little narcissistic. All you do is throw prayers at me and want me to fix you. I'd like to just sit down and have a cup of coffee and teach you something. I would like, because if I can teach you, watch, this is my takeaway. If I can teach you, this is Jesus, if I can teach you, and the way I teach you is very gentle and humble, you will find rest for your soul. There's something weird about having understanding of a subject. It brings you rest. I, at my core, at my core, I'm a magician. I love card trick magic. Like, just, I watch YouTube. This is too much confession. I like, but I'm doing it. I'm not a Catholic, but I'm coming to you right now to just bear my sins. I will watch YouTube videos of people doing card tricks, trying to figure it out. And then I'm so anal, I Google. Answer to the card trick I can't figure out. And then as soon as I understand the card trick, because somebody on YouTube cheats and tells you how they did it, as soon as they show me how they did it, I always have this overwhelming, oh God, that was, why am I so stupid I couldn't see that? That's kind of faith. It's like in the middle of faith, you're like, wait, do that again, oh, go ahead. Wait, what what is God doing? What what is God doing? I don't get it, God. Do that again. Do that again. Do it one more time. Just let me see it one more time because I don't believe it. And then you get older and you look back over your life and go, Oh, how did I not see that? He was there the whole time. Right? So he's trying to teach me, not hide from me. So this is what I've come on. This is my thought out of that. The ease of faith, and I do believe it's easy. Trusting God should be the easiest thing you do. But it's in the learning where it becomes easy, not in the enduring. A lot of times we just endure. Oh, just I just get through this. You don't learn anything enduring itself. I'm ready to get out of this hole. It's not in the enduring where your faith grows. If that would be so somebody in a problem for 20 years would be like super faith woman because I've been in the hole for 20 years and I have but just because you're in a hole for 20 years doesn't mean you're a person of great faith a person of great faith though is somebody who's learning from not not life if you try to learn from life you will get some messed up thinking you have to learn from him That tells me that in any life crisis, there is something to be learned. But watch, it's not in the life crisis that you're learning. It's the life crisis is screaming and you turn and go, hey, in the scream, what are you you wanting to teach me? All right, so let's parse it out. Let's see if we can learn how faith would work. So in, in thinking that through, I landed on two pieces of scripture that I started putting together. And this was the first one. For since the creation of the world, Romans 1, God's invisible qualities, meaning you can't see Him, He's a spirit, you can't touch Him, He's invisible. But God in His invisibleness wants you to know Him and see Him. So the way He does that is He did it through creation. Genesis chapter 1, the creation of the world... It was God's way of going, hey, before Adam and Eve get here, I want to kind of have an object lesson of us up here. Because he's not going to be able to see us because I'm a spirit. So let's do this. Let's create a world that that world will display my nature. So by the time Adam gets here and looks at the six days of creation, birds and all of that... That's the beauty, that's the display of God's nature. Let me just leave it at that. I did a 29-week study on Genesis. Dig it out, watch it, it's free. God took creation to show me His nature. So that brought me to this thinking over my years of faith. Because I would hear, well, if you got faith, just pray. Just read the Bible. And I'm like, okay. Because that's how faith comes is by hearing. Just get the Bible and read it out loud. And I would, but nothing would really change. Though I would feel better about myself that I read the Bible out loud. But teach me God. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying in the middle of it, I'd like to know where that rest is you talk about and that easiness is. And so I landed here. Watch. This is where it's interesting. It's in the peak. His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood. This is weird now. You can understand God by looking at His creation. That's what He's teaching us. I know you get into school and schools schools are so much smarter than God. So they tell you that we've evolved from an eight, a cesspool of amoebas and that we're 913, I think we're now 13 billion years old. And they know exactly what happened in the beginning because they got models of it. Because they were there. And they tell you what the middle of the earth looks like, but they've never been there. But, but they'll tell you, and you learn it. And you, you learn their wisdom. You learn that we're hurling through space at 16,000 miles an hour, and we're going to infamous nothingness. And we're all like, oh, this is awesome. Hey Amen. they just sent a... Like, do you know they just sent a photo back from Pluto, man? Like Pluto, and they just sent us a picture back. That's just kind of how they do it. But God's like, look, I didn't just put all that out there so I could blow your mind with science. I put that out there so you could understand me. So all this creation, everything God put to understand him. And what's weird, the microphone, the guitars, the TVs, everything came from That which was already here. We didn't get some alien to come down and go, here's some. It just all came from Mother Earth. So that God says, you can understand me. So that took me to, well, if that's possible, you know what I do. I whip right back to Genesis 1 and I landed on this scripture. All in the understanding of faith. Then God said, this is day four. Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night and let them be signs to mark, and here's the three words, seasons, days, and years. Now here's what's strange. The eternal God, the God who knows no time, desires to be known. The God that cannot be seen desires to be seen. So the way God becomes known and seen is He puts His nature within His creation now, remember, he's eternal. How does an eternal God make himself known? This is weird. You would think he would just go, here I am. The way the eternal, meaning there is no time, and if you want to figure that out, talk to a four year old about where God came from. He's eternal. What do you mean? He's always been here. He doesn't even have a mother? No, God doesn't have a mother. Well, where did he come from, then? He didn't come from anywhere. He's just always been here. Well, he's always been here like, when's his birthday? He didn't have a birthday. God does no birthday. He doesn't have a birthday. He doesn't even have a mother. No, he doesn't have a mother or a birth. Well, where does he live? He just lives out there somewhere. Well, I'd be like, where? He's everywhere. How can he be everywhere? Right? If you ever want to know how dumb you are, go talk to a four-year-old about where God came from. You'll just be like, just get it. Go get your lucky charms and go. Because you cannot reason with a four-year-old on the, on the eternal. The four-year-old brain doesn't get eternal. You got to come from somewhere. You got to have a mama. But God says, well, I'm eternal and I don't have a mama. And I've always been and I'll always be. But I want you to know that though I've never had a mother. here This is just weird. I, I don't even have a beginning. Let that simmer a minute. He doesn't even have a beginning. The only way we can even get our brain around it is to sing, when we've been there 10,000 years. Like we even try to define it in the amount of years we've been there. How frustrating will that be? You're in eternity with God. How long have you been here? Two years. You know how many more times we have got to sing this song before we've been here 10,000 years? And then... I just get tired of that song. 10,000 years and, and then we get there and it's just like we've only just begun. Oh my God, is there another verse we could sing? I mean, you can't even fathom that. You can't even fathom eternity. So what does God do? Brilliant, he is. The eternal God says for me to be known, I'm gonna create a box called time. And the way you're going to know me is I'm gonna put you in the middle of time. So you will know the eternal God by being stuck in the middle of time. The weird thing about being eternal is you oversee all of time. This is why God can say, I knew you before you were. I knew you were in your mama's belly. I know when you're going to die. We would say because he's everywhere at all times, which is, I guess, true. He's, and we kind of try to see him like, how, does, how is God in the Middle East and here at the same time? Ugh. Well, if you, if you look at Him as a being, that He would just kind of be everywhere, or you look at Him as an eternal Father, that by being everywhere, meaning He's looking at the scope of the beginning from the end, and He sees it all at the same moment. So for God... 4,000 years ago is now, now is now, and 2,000 years from now is now because he's over all of it. So when he gives a promise to Eve, your seed will crush his head. He's 4,000 years in a box of time, but because he's over all of time, the moment he says it, it's true because he already sees the result here before it's ever happened. Does that make sense? So the way God desires to be known is He shoves me into the box of time. And on day four, He started the clock. He shows us how He measures it. He measures it first with seasons. That's the stars. If you want to know whether it's spring, winter, fall, if you're an astronomer, you look at the stars and wherever the Big Dipper's dipping, it tells you what season you're in. He gave us the moon because the moon will tell us The the day of the month, you look at the moon, it's a waxing crescent, it's a waning crescent. I can tell where I'm at by the moon, we're halfway in, it's a full moon, it's it's a new month. And then he gives you the sun, and the sun marks the days. So God gave you a time clock that'll mark your days, it'll mark your seasons and your years. And in the days and seasons and years, God is desiring you to know him that way. So here was my thought: If that's true, maybe faith is easy. It's time that's hard. Thank you. (laughs) I felt like that was better than just one good. No, really, faith. I've learned faith is easy. It's the dad-blame time frame I hate. I don't look. Just trust God. Yes, I trust you. There's the moment. There there it is right there. I trust you. But as soon as I say, God, here's what I need. i got a headache, a splitting headache. I need God to heal my head. God, heal my head. And as soon as I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Right? Now, the moment God doesn't do it when you pray, which would be fabulous, yeah. the moment I pray, a clock starts ticking. Now, if God answers immediately, you feel spiritual. You're like, I need to be praying for everybody. <laughs> I didn't even know God could do that. Come to me, all you who are weary. If God answers it before you even knew you had it, you'll speak in tongues. But if God does it after the prayer, I'm ticked now. Well, he might not love me. Maybe I didn't pray hard enough. Well, he should have answered. Why didn't he answer by now? If he is God and he cares about me, he would have answered when I prayed. I mean, because the moment I prayed, you said pray and he answers all things and all things are possible. And if I ask, it'll be given and seek and I shall find. I ask, I sought and all things are possible. And I'm already an hour in. I've seen nothing. I'm a week in, I'm a month in, I'm five years in. I have been praying over this problem for 20 years. And now what happens is, rather than God being defined by His Godness, time has now defined Him. So He must not love me. He must not be as good as He says He is. He must have forgotten about me. He must not care about me. Maybe I don't have enough faith. Because if I don't get it in the time I want to get it, I redefine God. Why do we do that? Because God set it up where time would be how we define Him. This is before there was a Bible. This is before there were the Ten Commandments. You could understand his character in his creation. And he stuck me into time and said, here's what I'm going to do with you, Mark. I'm going to teach you how, I mean, eternal God by giving you three realms of time. And here are the three realms. I'm going to give you the realm of the past, the realm of the present, and the realm of the future. That's what I'm going to do for you. So I started trying to say, is my faith connected to this? I I, I like to say my faith is connected to His Word. Faith comes by hearing, but let's go before there was a Word, before there was a Bible, before there was a church, God established a way whereby a human could trust Him by simply looking at the creation, and I believe of time, because He's eternal. And God gives us three realms, and I wrote this question, is it possible to learn how to trust an eternal God, meaning He's not bound by the past, present, or future, By understanding this, how does God handle time? Not me. I'm all about the now. I'm all about right now. Pray, get it now. I'm all about fast, get it right now. But if I could understand how does God view time? Now here's what's weird about this God, is that God defined time before Adam even got here and needed time. Sun, moon, and stars came on day four. Figure that out. Adam comes on day six. God had already defined what time was. Time was not connected to a need. Time was connected to a nature. That's what God did. God bound time to his nature. He did not bind time to your need. We bind time to the need. If God doesn't come through by Friday, we're losing the house. That's what we do. If God doesn't heal the gimp in my help, he's probably not a healer. That's what we do. We bind God to the need. But God doesn't bind himself to the need. He binds himself to his nature. Does that make sense? I just feel like I might need to... Sorry. So if that's true, next slide. I wrote this out. Because we're all created and placed in this, there's the past you... There's the present you, help me, Jesus. And there is the future you, "Uh uh-oh. But that's you. You're one human, but you're bound to time. This is my thinking. Because the devil knows that in time you can understand his nature... What the devil will do through your time on earth is to bind you to your need and you will define God by need rather than by nature and you'll come up with the wrong God. He knows he can do that because we're so time-oriented. So because I'm a you stuck in time, there's the past me. The past mark is defined, it's my identity, it's who I am, it's the way dad and mom raised me, it's my upbringing, it's my hurts, it's my this, it's how I fight my battle. It's all of that. It labels me. You're addicted, you've been abused, you've been raped, you were molested, you were given up, you're a foster kid. It labels me with all my problems. You're, you're handicapped. you're handicapped, it labels me. Society labels us off the past use. I'm an addict, once an addict, always an addict. Oh, I blew it, oh my God, let me tell you about the time I blew it. But what time does to us is the past, our past, shapes us into our own nature and we know ourselves better than we know God. And so we define God all wrong. Because here's one thing I know about our past, all of us have one. And yet, most people do not define God off the present and future, they define God off the past self. And one thing I know about all our past selves, it's good, it's bad, and it's ugly. Come on. Everybody in the room. Good, bad, and ugly. The problem is, because this is such a powerful concept to the enemy that hates us, is he binds us not to the eternal, he binds us to the past. And so we only try to understand God through the past. He's a good, good father. And he's also ugly and kind of bad, too. That's who you are. It's who you. He's a, so you have people singing, he's a good, good father. Because that was the words to the song. But in their mind, well, if he's so good, why did he let me get molested? If he's so good, why did he let my mama leave my dad? If he's so good, why did I get divorced? If he's so good, why did my husband cheat on me? If he's such a good father, why did he let me get cancer? If he's such a good father, why did he let my kid get sick? If he's such a good, good, good father. They don't even know what they're singing. There's no way we could define God as a good, good father if we only just looked at the past. Because you cannot define God in one dimension of time. He can only be defined through all of time. And so many of his kids are stuck in, well, it just went terrible, it just went bad. I'll tell you what they did. I don't know if God was good, why, why he let my uncle molest me if he's so good. I don't know why he let my boyfriend rape me. If you tell me he's good, he ain't that good. Because it's designed to be that way. The way the enemy designed it is to put you into the journey of life and then he, he gets you cynical about the God of your past. So, that you can't even have a God of the present because you don't even trust the one in the past. How can you expect me to be in love with him when he let me get raped? Give me a break, Mark. I can't even have a future with God because I'm still ticked about the past I have with God. So, no wonder we have such randomness of who he is today because many of us are stuck in the past. I can tell you how I know because most of us focus on wanting God to fix it all. Or tell me why it happened. Because we're obsessed like the magic trick. If he'd just tell me why he let that happen, I could trust him. But I can't trust somebody let that happen. And then we want to know why we don't really understand God. Well, here's some scriptures about the past you, and this is my take on it. I think the reason we're so cynical about God is we define God based off of our needs and problems of our past rather than His nature. Let me throw this to you. The past is designed by God not to identify your need and label you. Your past is given you to know His nature even in the midst of the need. Right? He gives you the past to know his nature. Here's here's how God is. And I think a lot of us are defining God based on us rather than him. He said, don't you know that wrongdoers won't inherit the kingdom? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Don't be deceived. Neither sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, men who have sex with men, thieves or greedy people or drunkards or slanderers or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. 11. And this is what? You were. That's your past life. This is what you were. This is the good, bad, and ugly. Everybody's in the yellow. Everybody in this room has a what you were. Now, if you're not careful, what you were will define who God is. That will define who God is, and we will be messed up. And when we get messed up, we start our own denominations. Well, you know, God will make you sick and give you cancer, put you on back, teach you to love Him. What? Could you back that up again? He's going to give me cancer to put me on my back to prove how much he loves me? Well, then why did he put his son on a cross if he's got to put me on my back? I don't get it, right? But that's because I'm trying to define him off my need rather than his nature. Now, I I will say this, and and Robin and I, she helps me this. I know it seems weird. I, I am a very compassionate empath of a person. Until I get irritated, I'm like, "My God, get over it! Geez, you've whined for six minutes. Quit whining. I mean, I'll give you five minutes to whine, but dear God, get up!" She's like, "I just feel like sometimes you're not very compassionate. I am, but you've had nine minutes. How much more? How much more listening do you want me to do? Well, I just wish you'd just sit down and just let me just talk and get it out and just listen." I can only listen for like four minutes and then my head is going to blow up because I'm like, get up and go run or something. (laughs) I don't know, maybe that's every man because all the men are like, yeah, yeah. And all the women are like, we're going to another church. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, that's why I'm going to let Robin and mom preach some, just kind of even the kill out a little bit. Here's what God thinks about your past. It's not that he's not empathetic. It's not that he he doesn't care. It's not that he's not compassionate. He knows his nature and he wants you to focus on his nature rather than your need. So this is what he says about your past. Oh, you've been washed. You've been justified. You've been sanctified. Mark, what what are you talking about? You're mad at me. I washed your past. Yeah, but my uncle raped me. Mark, Mark, I've already washed that away. That that is not who you are. You're not defined. Well, why did you let that happen? Mark, it happened because the world is broken and fallen. But I'll tell you what I did. I love you so much. I didn't leave you in the past. I brought you into the present and I washed you and I justified you and I sanctified you. Next verse, it even gets better. Next verse, so have we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view? At one time, 2 Corinthians 5, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we look at Jesus now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? Oh, come on. A brand spanking new person. My good, my bad, and my ugly. The moment I said, God, here I am. He said, get in here, boy. And I walked in. I said, now I'm just an old washed up sinner. What are you, what are you talking about, washed up sinner? I'm just an addict that's in recovery. What are you talking about? You're not an addict in recovery. I'm just somebody that's been raped and I have this horrible story. No, I have washed you, Mark, but I'm just an adulterer. I was just a drunk. No, 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 no. no you've been washed, smart, Justified. Sanctified. You're brand spanking new. That old, that old you is so gone, you don't, you're not identified by that anymore. You're identified. You're a brand spanking, 100% new person. I just wonder if I really believe it. Because there's something about Christians we love our old life. We like talking about it. Let me just tell you all about what happened. I don't want to hear it anymore. It's just like, okay, we all got one. And we love it so much. We're like, I just want to get a tattoo. Just remind me of all that back there. Right? That's just how we are. Here's the final thought for your past self. And they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Your past is either defined by your trouble or defined by your testimony. So here's the screen. I'll put it up. How do we deal with the past you? Here it is. A testimony. Now, I asked the question first service. It was 100%, so it's not like I'm doing a scientific study here. If you're a Christian and you've ever prayed one prayer and you have at least one answered prayer in your pocket, raise your hand. At least one answered prayer. So that's about most. Again, it's not scientific. Then right now, all of you have a testimony that the God of the eternal realm invaded your realm and gave you something. The problem is when I bring him the second request. Oh, you did it one time. You can do it again. You can do it again. You can do it again. And then suddenly, rather than remembering he did it once, and I'm thankful for that, I start focusing on the trouble rather than the testimony. And I forget he answered one prayer because I want him to answer this prayer. Well, didn't he answer that one? Yes, but that's gone. I need him to answer this one. And what if he loves me, why wouldn't he answer this one? Well, honey, didn't you just raise your hand that he answered one? Yes, but I need him to answer number four now. Number four is the one that's irritating me because I'm going to kill him if he doesn't answer number four. Have you, anybody, just lift your hands. You've had a healing since you've believed in Jesus. He's healed you in some way. Took a headache away, gave you a new leg back. That's most of yeah, I didn't look, I didn't have time to look. But if I'd have taken my glasses off, it'd been double about wow. (laughs) I get discouraged I just see double. Hey, there's twice as many people in the room. But I'll tell you why most people don't know the God that he wants you to know is because we look to the past. The past is our label. The past is our identity. The past is our struggle. The past is our hurt. The past is our disappointment. And we label God with the hurts, the disappointments, the frustrations. And we look at the trouble rather than the testimony. If he has answered one prayer, he's faithful. And you might have 90 that are unanswered. But honey, turn back and look at the one and go, he did it once. He'll do it again. And, and that's why I'm going to keep praying. The next is, I think most get stuck there. But for the sake of time, there's the present you. There's the you that's right now. I think all of us understand it. It's the ask and it'll be given. I'm asking, give it God. It's the now faith is. Come on now. I love that word now. Woo. Got a shirt that says now. Love it. We all understand the present person. But most of us presently today are the results of the past person and I guarantee you well I can't say guarantee that sounds arrogant I feel like it's true that most of us in the room what we know about God today is based on our historical dealings with him in the past so how do we have faith now I've already looked go, okay, I do. Mark does have testimonies. I have answered prayers. I have things God has done for me that will blow your mind if I told you. I still have unanswered prayers out there. I still have things I go, oh, where was God? But I know that I know that if I focus on the testimony, I see He is a faithful God. And then I turn around and go, okay, but now I'm in this moment. I wake up every day with my fingers numb, Okay. What do I do now? Because I've been asking you for six months to fix this. Nothing. What do I do? Are you not faithful? I'm going to doctors. I'm getting what I can do. I'm doing my part. You know. Here's how I deal with the present, Mark. The faithful love of the Lord never ends, Lamentations 3. His mercies never cease and great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin fresh every morning. God just put himself in your box of time. That's weird. The eternal God just downloaded his nature into your time frame. And this is what he said. Oh, you've had a bad day? (laughs) Go to bed. Here's the next verse. Listen to this. Go to bed, Mark. Why would you want me to go to bed? Because weeping may last tonight, but in the morning... I'm brand new every morning, buddy. So it says this, Victoria Kate read, Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise His name, for His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor lasts how long? How long? His favor is in your past, His favor is in your present, and His favor is in your future. It's lifelong. And the moment you start questioning His favor, the moment you go to bed and go, Where was His favor? It's a terrible day. Oh God. It's going to wake up in the morning. this is going to be worse. Oh God, I hope it's not worse. Well, that present you has lost faith because now you're worried about the next day because this past day has redefined you. So listen, listen to the beauty of Jesus. How does God, in His eternalness, keep Mark from being labeled and defined by all this back here? He's simply, it's simple. Hey, son, yeah. (laughs) God, I know (laughs) that is. Look, Mark, I know you're crying, little buddy. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to bed crying. But I need to know while you're crying at sleep, I'm working. And when that son wakes up in the morning, son, I'm going to be standing over your bed with a whole new bucket of mercy and a whole new bucket of joy. Now you can either get up and dip into my joy and mercy or you can get up walking backwards looking at your trouble you left behind. You get to pick what you want to do, son. And Mark, if you don't want to become defined by your Saturday when you wake up on Sunday, you better dip in some mercy and you better dip into my faithfulness and dip into my joy. Otherwise, you're going to be a bitter little boy wondering where I'm at looking backwards. I'm not in your back. I'm in your front offering you brand new stuff every day. And then he says, for, I have to praise him. I don't like praising him. I like praising him when he answers. I don't like praising him when I'm waiting. But he says this about me. Nothing can stop me now. You just have to learn in the moments where life isn't working in the present. Oh, I'm going to praise him anyway. Hallelujah. Well, why would you praise him when nothing's going right? Because tomorrow I get a whole nother day of mercy and grace tomorrow I wake up. I may have had a terrible day today, but when I wake up tomorrow Nothing Is gonna stop me now. That's literally what it says. Nothing is gonna stop me now I'm gonna keep going and what do we mean by that if we take it in the context? It means the weeping night doesn't cause you to quit you get up the next day and keep going. My marriage is a wreck. Go to bed, wake up, dip back in some mercy and joy and just begin to praise God. Amen. So now I've learned every night I go to bed. God, I thank you. You're healing God. I give you these numb fingers. Thank you. If you want to lead me to a doctor, I'll go. Surgery, I don't care. I give them to you. These little call, little fingers right here like a crab now. Jesus, they're yours, I believe. But when I wake up in the morning, it's still numb. Two of them are still numb. I don't, you know, any man's your prayer. Why you don't really do it anymore. I ain't praying anymore. Oh, he can just heal me whenever he wants to heal me. No, now I get up. Right. Jesus, I praise you. I thank you that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I thank you the devil has nothing on me. I thank you, God, that I will live on this earth and I will be like Moses. I'll be 120 years old. My natural force is not abated and my eyesight is not dim. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. And let me tell you what's going to follow in my past of yesterday. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. There's nothing that's going to stop me. This is why people don't want to be Christians. They don't want to join a club where we all pout about our past. They want to see that even in the midst of the trouble. And I, I know it has to go this way. I just, this is my brain. It's like Sunday morning at, in heaven. And, and, and God looks down and he goes, what's Mark doing? Little angel was like, well, I was down there with him. He prayed that same prayer last night. That prayer where he says he wants me to heal his fingers. Yeah, he prayed the same thing. He said, God, I thank you for healing his fingers. He's been praying that for six months, hasn't he? Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking of myself as an angel, why you don't just do it? Look at him down there. Why in the world is he praising me? Well, he's in the bathroom just praising you because he thinks you're good. He thinks I'm good. Well, how could he think I'm good if I hadn't helped his little numb fingers? Oh, I don't know. He's not even thinking about his fingers anymore. He's thinking about his health and his wife and his children. He's thanking you that Marlene made good coffee. (laughs) You mean he's down there giving me praise even though I'm not giving him everything he's asked me for right now. Yeah, because according to him, he's already got it because he knows you're a faithful God, so he doesn't really care if it comes tomorrow or yesterday. He already knows it's his because you're faithful to yourself, so he's not praising you because you took the numbness away. He's praising you because he knows you're the numb-taking God, and he's good with that, and he's just going to praise you anyway because he believes it's already his because he's already prayed it because he trusts you, not what off he gets, but what he knows about you. Now, I don't know. I might be a little arrogant, but I think just maybe God might got I kind of like that kid. Amen. That's right. How would it make you feel if the only time we called you is when you did something good for us? Yeah. The only time we sang your praise is when we bent over backwards and did everything you demanded us to do. That's a dictator. God's not looking for little dictators to tell him what to do. He's looking for children. And one thing I know about faith, it takes a lot of faith to praise Him for the answer when you don't see it. It takes a lot of, Jesus, Lord, I love you. Woo, I thank you. I thank you that it's mine. What I can't see, I see by faith. I thank you that I hold on to it. That's how you got to live the present you. And here's how you do the present you. It's not romantic. It's just praise. Sometimes you can't even answer the present you. Why is everything going bad? I don't know. Just praise Him. And that sounds so empathetically, non-religiously. Just praise Him. My marriage is falling apart. Well, just kill Him and praise God anyway. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Like, I, I do know that sounds so religious. I don't mean just praise him like don't go to counseling and don't quit spending so much money. And I mean, I know there's practical things you can do, but I'm, I'm just talking about how you identify with him. Yeah, right. yeah. With the past God, he's the God of my testimony. With the present God, he's the God of my praise. Oh, and then the final is this. I'll get you out quickly. Sorry, I went a little long. We're given a hope that when we're saved and if we already have something, this is pretty standard psychology 101, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But we look forward to something we don't have. Oh gosh, I hate the blue and the pink. We have to wait confidently. Confident waiting is hard. Most of us don't confidently wait patiently. We turn around and look at the past and begin to complain we turn around and look at the past and begin to pout. So we pout and complain rather than patient and confident. I know God's got this. I don't, well, you don't even see it happening. I know I don't see it happening, but I know he's got it. And then the final scripture is this. And we know everybody that's a Christian. Everybody that's a Christian's probably got this one. And we know that God calls us how much? to work together for the good of those who love Him, and most quit right there. Most quit right there. Oh, the God just works together for the good of those who love Him. I'm like, yeah, but there's an and. Got to keep going. Can't stop. Cannot stop. Cannot stop. Don't stop. You'll be rewriting the Bible. Keep going. And are called according to His purpose. Here's what I do know about time. We'll look to the past and define the trouble defines us. We'll look to the present and become bitter. We'll look to the future and become impatient. Why? The moment you get bitter, the moment you stop praising, and the moment you lose patience, you will forget your purpose. And I cannot tell you how many people over 30 years I've talked with who've lost their purpose because they're disappointed, they're hurt, they quit church, they don't read their Bible, they stop doing their ministries... They got bitter in God. If God is so good, then why? And now they pout. Well, I just don't know. I don't even read my Bible anymore. I mean, it just doesn't make sense because I was reading it now. You see, that's exactly what begins to happen. I was reading it in the past. The past didn't go the way I wanted it to. So I shifted my present to redefine the God of my past. And when I shifted my presence, my future, I lost my purpose because I made life more about me and what I want rather than who he is. That made sense? So here's the final. I want to keep you. We can always come back next week and keep rolling. Here's how I deal with faith now. So when you say faith is the substance of things hoped for, here's how I think through it now. I have to look at my past me, the present me, and the future me. And then the words I hold on to to my past is, I may not have every prayer answered, but I have some, and I'm holding on to that testimony. In my present, I'm not going to get sidetracked by the problem. I'm going to praise Him. In my future, it might not be going exactly how I want it, but you better guarantee every day I wake up, I'm His. I'm serving Him. I'm living for Him. I'm going to take as many people with me as I can. I'm going to swing for the fences. That's how you have to live by faith. Let me pray for you. I hope that helped you a little bit.